As you're listening to the following music selections, adjust the volume, bass, and treble controls to suit your tastes. Look at that. He's around. All right, you good? Yep. Three, two. Welcome to Android's Dungeon on CFRU 93.3 FM, based out of the University of Guelph, or in this case, respective offices or basements or uh, hidey holes in the house where you can try to retreat and regain some sanity if you're fortunate. Uh, not all of us have any sanity to regain, so there's that too. I'm Jack, and we also have. I'm Joel. Joel. JJB. JJB. I think uh, your full name has been. Eh, I don't know about your middle name, but definitely your last name has been said on the air before. So, but you know what? You know, if anyone wants to dig yeah. for it, they're gonna have to work. Unless uh, Joel and, JB. I mean, they could, go to, they could probably go to Guelph Board Gamers and bam. I was gonna say I can't remember if your last name's there or not. Yeah, well, it's fake. I mean, it's my real last name. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's uh, while we're on the subject, join the Guelph Board Gaming Group. Uh, it doesn't matter where you are. It, it's basically a catch-all group for posting about board games that you've played recently. Yep. Whether you're trying to uh, impress friends, family, loved ones, neighbors, enemies with your uh, <laughs> how you're spending your free time, I suppose, and, <laughs> and the, your money, and your money. And the latest game that you uh, either have never played or uh, you finally got onto the table. And uh, gen- I think, generally speaking, the the quality of the games posted is pretty high in the group. Would Send us the selfie. No, well, geez, I can get out of control. <laughs> I think. Oh, that's an arms race if there ever was. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. The games are pretty good, uh, from what I've seen. Everybody in Guelph has reasonable taste. Yeah, I think except the only one I was yeah, except for me, obviously. Mine is beyond reasonable. It's exquisite, <laughs> impeccable. Some might say. The only one I think I was a little on the fence about was the most recent uh, line about Dead of Winter, like that meme that was posted. Yeah, that uh, that, that caused me. You know, it's like you're about to say something. <laughs> you know, it's fine. It's fine. Even yeah, though somebody like, else already said it's it like too. That post about D and D that I really shouldn't have said anything about today, and I just I, I couldn't resist. D and D. I don't even remember that one. Uh, but the wheelchair thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. An accessible dungeon. Uh, <laughs> I wanted to ask, just to get right off that topic. Yeah. Um, how did you know about this 1860 going back to Kickstarter? So let's do a little uh, rewind here, because we've talked about 1860 on the show before. In fact, I think we talked about the last episode, which is the Railways and Isle of, Isle of Wight. And it's um, probably the weirdest of the ones we've played. Would you agree as far as like the mechanics? Super weird. It's got tons of like things that aren't in other ones and just like strict rules. And yeah, it, it's, it's I guess it's based on the eight. It's either 1825 or 1835 and another game uh, in this series too. Like there, I think there's only three of them that do what this game does. I could be wrong. But anyway, the game has been, it was, it's basically like, a, it was a grail um 18xx like a lot of these games unfortunately are because they have such tiny print runs and um, when i was reading about this when we before we played it i was looking into this and seeing people and they're like no i'll never sell this i'm never getting rid of this you're never seeing a copy of this ever and then uh like joel just mentioned all of a sudden uh i saw an announcement from all aboard games who's reprinting all these 18xx games uh announcing that they're going to bring 1860 to kickstarter in the end of January, which is a huge deal. Uh, so how this much was, do you think it's going to be? Um, it's a good question. I don't know the size of the board. I think but you've bought other 18xxs on Kickstarter before, right? Mm, no, actually, I've, I've purchased them before, but not not from Kickstarter. I did kickstart um, uh, 1861, 1867, and I did do another one i can't recall but anyway the it, all board games i'd say it, it will i'm my if it's gonna be a, a 
So let's say like 18 Max is a uh, two by two cardboard uh, board. I think this one is going to be um, a two by two as well. Um, so I would put it in the $70 US. That's where I think it's going to be. Okay. For that, um, I'll buy it. Or, or yeah. I'll, I'll jump back on the Kickstarter for one more try. Although it does sound very familiar to AEG. <laughs> Believe me, the these guys deliver. This is not a scummy AEG. Uh, and the, the typically, at least what they did in the past, and if you go to their website, like I, I'm not even sure how it works there, but they, the shipping is so reasonable for it to Canada. I think like if, because with Max and... Um, uh, 1849. I think the shipping was an extra like ten dollars US, maybe mm, not bad. Just somewhere around there. Not twenty five. Not no, not twenty five. <laughs> not half the price of the game. Not half the price of the game. And they deliver. It's not like one of these things yeah. where you're gonna get a copy of this game from AEG and it's like a year behind and uh, the components are messed up. Like they've got a system at this stage. Now the only, I am intrigued that they're doing the Kickstarter route because. Uh, they did it for 1822 recently, um, but there's so many other games that they don't do the Kickstarter for. So I'm not quite sure if they do it for like high profile ones. And like, I, if you couldn't, you can't see me, but high profiles in quotation marks because <laughs> when we're talking about these sorts of games, there's um, th- there's only a certain amount of exposure. But like I I've said this to um, people, like I've had conversations about this online before, where. If there was ever a time to make 18xx big, or dare I say, great again, it's now. Like Kickstarter is a, is, a, is available. You have fun, uh, incredible production companies like AAG and uh, other guys like GMT doing the these runs. Like mm-hmm. it, it's it, it is the time to get into this uh, this obscure hobby because so hot right now. It's so hot right now, and I'm, it's an exciting time, Joel. Exciting time to be yeah. into trains and all that stuff. It's time so. to be alive. Hey, look, the House of Representatives impeached Trump again today. This time, um, I'm sure it'll stick. <laughs> yeah. No, I was the reason I saw it is because I opened up Twitter uh, to look at the AAG announcement. Well, that's your first it looks mistake. Like they're also, uh, I don't know, it was two days ago, but they're also doing AC- 18 Chesapeake. Well, yeah, so that's, I think they're doing an add-on for Chesapeake because there's another, I don't know if it's another version or you can like, um, yeah, like, and this is an interesting post. They actually say you can mock up and use your own components from other games if you, so they're actually encouraging you to do your own thing if you want yeah. to. Well, cause for a long time, a lot of these guys, and for the most part, a lot of these people are just really, they're more than happy to just say like, do it yourself. Like we're, you yeah. know, it's not gonna, it's not affecting our sales. If you make a cruddy version from staples and I like that guy so, that replied to John. Well, but that's that was also AAG, which was bizarre because yeah. that's that was an a, a question about the uh, a scanned copy. So maybe they just that's where they draw the line is that they're not going to send you like the actual graphics. Like if you want to make your own, they're not going to stop you or get upset about that. I could be totally off base on this, but that and also I'm getting like they're shipping me a replacement piece for 18 Max, which is fantastic. So good customer service and uh, the print runs are incredible. So these guys, it used to be Joel that uh, I think AEG, either they had their own thing or they're in partnership with a company called, I think, Deep Thought Games. And you would, Deep Thought Games, if you went to their website, I think you can go to it right now even, it looks like you've stepped into 2001 on the internet. (laughs) And you can order your own copies of these games. They're all custom, uh, but you have to choose every aspect of it, it seems. And the wait list was something hilarious, like a year and a half or two years. Yeah, this looks like... Yeah. <laughs> is it? Is it? The, did I get the right website? Georgia U.S. sales tax will be added to orders picked up or shipped to addresses in Georgia. Yeah. So there you go. Hilarious. But uh, now I don't. I think Deep Thought might still be around. But my understanding is that AAG has basically picked up uh, yeah. either their entire line or just like they've totally done their own thing. So hats off to this company. They're, they're doing God's work when it comes to reproducing publishing these games that were otherwise obscure and um like joel said i think 1860 is kind of special and it's its own thing and um we were even talking about some strategy or some thoughts about uh 18xx stuff today do you want to talk about it all joel or do you think it's too uh, esoteric sure well we can explain kind of the broad outlines of what we're talking about 
And then I'll talk about how uh, I had this crazy idea that I thought could maybe make a company really, really uh, valuable long term. And then Jack told me all the reasons why it wouldn't work. <laughs> <laughs> so just like, but if you were playing solo, <laughs> yeah, and you got something, because you're right, it's other people that would mess it up. Yeah. So in 18xx games, you uh, buy stocks of companies, and they don't do anything until you reach a certain threshold. Usually, it's 50 or 60 percent. Once, and that's not just you buying the stocks; that's anybody. Once that threshold is met, the company either gets that much money or all of its money. It's don't worry about that. The company gets some money, and then it starts running, and that's the cool thing. Uh, you get to start laying down rails and buying trains and running from place to place and charging people or, I don't know, shipping fees or whatever it is. And you start generating income. You can either withhold that money and keep it in the company or you can pay it out. And when you pay it out, it's split amongst us. I think we've talked about this many times before. I just wanted to give it a quick rundown. Mm-hmm. If somebody buys shares in a company and then decides they don't want them anymore for whatever reason, instead of going back into the IPO, they go to the bank. And in a lot of these games, when there is a share in the bank and a train runs, the money that would have gone to the shareholder goes to the company instead. Don't ask me why it doesn't go to the bank. That's just the way it is. (laughs) Thematically, it makes zero sense, but don't don't overthink it. Yeah. So I had this crazy idea because companies always run out of money. You know, it's easy to spend your money. You're putting down railheads around the map. You're buying trains. Trains get consistently more expensive and the trains you get rust as new, better trains come out. So you get this problem where companies don't have enough money. So the idea is how do you raise capital? Well, you can withhold money and all the shareholders get angry and the value of the shares go down and no one gets any money. But, you know, you get your funds and you get to buy your train. Or I have this wild and crazy thought. <laughs> what if you bought a bunch of shares of a company so that it started and then sold most of those shares, holding on to the 20% that you need to run it? All of those shares would then go into the bank. You would still have your money, like you wouldn't lose any money, except for obviously the share value of your two remaining shares. And then you could take that money and invest in other people's companies or start a second one, whatever. That's your money to do with whatever you want. But now that company's running and you have 20% of it. Now, if those shares stay in the bank, which is, you know, conditional, (laughs) uh, that train can run and man, it is making tons of money, right? It's making as much as like a medium uh, invested shareholder. And maybe that company would be super successful. And in that, Jack agrees with me. It might be. But a couple problems. <laughs> One, when you, sell, when you sell the shares, the stock value is going to go down the amount of the shares that you sold. And it has to catch back up. Two, there's nothing stopping other people <laughs> from just buying those shares. And if anybody buys more than two of the shares, they become the president. So yeah, you've made a super successful company, but you've made it for somebody else. Was there anything else? I think there was a third thing that I'm forgetting. Uh, there's a mix of stuff. So the other, you can't sell shares in the first round too. So this would be a second round thing. Um, and the other thing is that in 1860 specifically, shares in the bank don't even count. To, you don't get income based on those. Money, because how do you want to make money? You want to go broke, right? Well, you can, yeah. So it's that's so. This is where we we kind of bounce back and forth. And I think if we played more and more of eighteen sixty, I think these sorts of strategies would show up. But with the first time we played it, I was I was shocked because to me, eighteen sixty is a game, but it, it seemed like about running good companies, and you wanted to withhold, and you like everyone wants good roots. No matter what you're doing, you want a good root, unless you're purposely doing something insane and you've got like crazy long term plans, and you're trying to build up other companies in the future and quietly. Well, it looks like you're building up the first one, but uh, anyway. Um, yeah. But what 1860 does, which is utterly unique, and that's one of these reasons why the game stands out, is that it has these rules about insolvency, bankruptcy, and the amount of shares someone can own and have in the bank. And in the bank, you can have unlimited amounts of shares in one company, and you can own up to 100% of a company. 
and there's no rules on uh, you getting rid of the president's certificate either. So you can't dump a company ever onto somebody in 1860 if they don't want it. And if a company, uh, so let's say you've looted this company and there's some rules around, uh, I think, uh, buying and selling trains. I'm pretty sure you can't take a train from another company and sell or buy and sell it to another company unless that company doesn't have any trains themselves. So you can't just like pad a, another company's route uh, as soon as they have one train. So that's to stop some just pure robber baron behavior. But um, with 1860, if you uh, if a company has no train, it is required to on its turn lease a train from the bank, and it doesn't cost the company anything. Its shares will drop. It will go left, but it runs the next. Or it runs the best train available that it could. If it had enough money, it could buy, and then it takes half as profit directly into the company's coffers, and half goes uh, right to the bank. So nothing ha basically happens to that. And um, what happens too is that so you can keep doing this, and as soon as a company that has no train has enough money to buy a train, it buys it. Big deal, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but what you can do is that companies can go bankrupt in uh, 1860 and that's by hitting a certain part of the stock chart and depending on what you're doing and this is something i think we never we've never gotten into because we've never gone i guess deep enough into this game because i think there's a lot of layers to it is that the, we're the too nice to our companies we're too nice to the companies because uh, it feels good to do it and frankly john won by doing that last time but maybe we just didn't know how to respond to it so um but as opposed to just withholding 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 um you can deliberately just like especially if the company's in the right place you can trash the company's stock so badly that it goes bankrupt and because in 1860 another quirk is that companies can only be activated in a set order and there's a certain amount of them so as the game goes on and as certain companies are floated then more companies become available simulating like the flow of time and different rail organizations starting but as the game goes on you can't just par each company at the highest value uh, on the par chart, uh, it the the highest it, you can par it drops steadily throughout the game until the late game companies can only be parred at some measly amount. So you think, oh, well, it's not the worst because I can do triple stock jumps, and you go, okay, yeah, not not the not a horrible idea, but it means you got to be able to buy the train first, and because of the strict train rules, you can't. I guess you could get away with it if you know what you're doing, um, or you could use another company to buy it as like sort of a suitcase company. But what you could do is activate these companies, sell them down, and either bankrupt them, and in and then when they come out of bankruptcy, they can re be reparred at the highest value you want uh, yep. within reason. You can't just put it like 300 and suddenly be the king of the world, but you can put it right where you want it to. Um, but in the process of selling it down, if it doesn't have any trains, um, it it just runs the train best train it can, and when it yeah. goes bankrupt, it keeps all the money it earned at that time, as far as I'm aware. So it comes back in with starting capital. You part at, let's say, 100 or whatever. And then all of a sudden, you got a company that's worth has more starting capital than anything else. And maybe you'll like buy two trains right from the get-go, or three trains, three permanents, and just laugh yeah. and laugh. So and the you end up with the best train. Yeah. So it's, it's super nice, it's but it's all right. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that's what you can tell. Like we 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 <laughs> we've only played it a couple times, but it's a really intriguing game, and it's it's a lot nicer than like 1830 is is so mean, Joel. It's so so mean. <laughs> it's it, it, it's it's just compared to everything else. But 1860 is I have a fake uh, thing for you. 18xx for dummies. <laughs> Where'd you I'm find this? Bankrupt like a noob. Oh, <laughs> did you just... national corporations exploit your investors and engage in stock market shenanigans? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. I like that. It's uh, it sh should be written by um, uh, <laughs> Clearclaw. Here's a and quick then... uh, 18xx trivia for you. What was the original 18xx game? It'd be 29, wouldn't it? Yeah, very good. Yeah. Nobody talks about twenty nine though, so it's kind of yeah. like has, like everyone talks about advanced Civ, but nobody Let's talks about regular Civ. Deck builders, although Dominion. Yeah. Oh, I love Dominion. Don't I will not tolerate <laughs> Dominion bashing on my watch. But anyway, that's that's the chat about eighteen sixty. We're excited. The Kickstarter is coming. Um, I think we're both going to hop on this one. You know, what we can do Joel it. is we can um, save on shipping. We can save on shipping. Like I can just back it, and you can just pick up another copy, or vice versa. 
and yeah. just so using the pledge manager. So that's that way, I don't actually have to support Kickstarter. Yeah, well, and you supporting it. <laughs> well, yeah, there you go. It's uh, the last thing I want to say about Kickstarter before we are is about Kickstarter before we move on because I was on the on the geek uh, before we started playing D and D tonight, and I was noticing I was going through the list here of stuff that's uh, on the hotness and. Yeah. Uh, I noticed, like, uh, there's. I saw terraforming Mars. I'm like, why is that up there? I don't understand. But I see that there's like they're doing a, a I believe it's a card game version of it uh, hmm. called Ares Expedition. And you go, okay, interesting. Ares Expedition. It's interesting. We, we'll talk about terraforming Mars in a second here. Um, this is going to actually segue segue quite nicely. Uh, and I, I'm scrolling down. I'm looking at this, and it's a Kickstarter. They're announcing it's going to be a Kickstarter what? game. And you and that kind of struck me as odd, but it, I was looking through the comments, and a lot of people are saying, "Why Kickstarter?" The game was one of the biggest games of like I don't know, what was it um, twenty eighteen? Um, yeah. And everyone was going wild about it. I'm sure it made tons of money. Um, and th- of course, there are a couple of well, actually, nerds in the comments saying things like, "Well, you," in really kind of condescending way, like the way that these some of these like board game geek posters can be, like it, these nerds, these exceptional individuals that uh, qu- don't quite understand why people are upset at the uh, concept, but of course they're exceptional. They don't understand emotions and empathy and stuff. So stronghold games just going broke. Stronghold games. So I guess what they're saying is that, especially for kickstarter it's it's a win-win for publishers on so many levels and part of it is that they just offload shipping onto the consumer kickstarter's cut is way less than like uh, uh traditional sort of i guess i don't know if like retail outlets um what you have to split between these storefronts and these other companies so as far as kickstarter goes it's just um pure profit for these guys that's why they love it and I have no problem with them kickstarting stuff as long as the price isn't crazy and the shipping isn't crazy. Um, but it's when you look at some of these kickstarters and you see something like, uh, oh yeah, it's like eighty dollars U.S. shipment is twenty five dollars and it's not necessarily Canada friendly, so you might get hit with duty later. And oh by the way, the game's not showing up till later. Oh by the way, it showed up at a convention a month before your copy showed up. Thanks, sucker. And that nightmare with Western empires where. Uh, we ordered games together to save on shipping, but then only one of them arrived. But they yeah. put the value of both of them on it, so we we got charged what shipping for both games. What and then a they nightmare! The other game, and then we yeah. got charged for shipping on both games again. Yeah, I don't even I know think... what's happening with that. I just I gave well, that's just money and walked away. It's called compound failure, Joel. One mistake. <laughs> just just breaks and breaks and breaks it's something i've been going i'm not going to go into the the nitty-gritty specifics but i got kayla something over christmas from staples.ca Ooh. um and i was fairly excited about it and um i the long story short is i'm still resolving it today Ugh. and uh staples, you think they just roll over you're, you're you're getting some pushback or what not pushback joel just incompetency Stacked on incompetency with mistake and confusion and outright misinformation for days upon days upon days. Uh, the the sum up my experience is being told twice, yes, it's on its way, and then December twenty third being saying no, it doesn't exist, <laughs> and then just staring. And it's become a meme with me, but just in the sound of silence playing in my head, <laughs> over and over and over. <laughs> And like I said, still not resolved totally to to this day. So I'm not again not going into the specifics. But uh, long story short, uh, even though I've said that several times, is do not buy anything from Staples.ca. Not if you value say, your sanity and wallet. I can't say I've ever <laughs> even been on Staples.ca. Maybe their uh, office supply stuff works perfectly. But as soon as you, you go do, inside of that arrow, <laughs> Amazon has an account, but I've never been on it. Yeah, well, it look, and when I was at my my last company, bought tons of stuff on Staples.ca, like office supplies and things, and yeah. it seemed perfectly fine. But in this particular case, I think a combination of the the company does not know what they're doing, and and compound failure that just got worse and worse and worse in such a way that it's like, Kale and I were talking about we're, we've got we're drafting a letter to corporate because this was just so hilariously bad that they you need to know you need I, to understand what you, your company is doing. And you should feel bad. <laughs> um, speaking of feeling bad, this is a weird segue. Uh, 
we got to play something that I think neither of us have touched in probably since well, 20, 2019, 2018, uh, which is Terraforming Mars. Whoa, look at that. And the context is that um, with the, the Toronto lads, we were trying to organize a game. And the sub and the the game that was brought up, I didn't know how it came up, was Terraforming Mars, and there is an application for it. And John had it, Y had it, and it turns out I had it. I forgot I even had it. Poor Joel got stuck <laughs> buying it. I'm just telling you, Joel, I would not have bought it. I would have been <laughs> not paying twenty like bucks. Yeah, I 100. I would have been like, I'm out of here. Um, but <laughs> pardon me. Or can we please use Vassal? Can we? Wow, geez, I don't know what's worse. And honestly, I would have picked just a different game. That's it's no yeah. no re reason to make somebody pay well, full price for that. Let's be honest. When John said terraforming Mars, I was pretty sure you were going to veto it. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's but everyone was excited about it, and I thought uh, it's been a while. But it's, I've heard him talk about it a couple times, and I wanted to give it another shot because I think I can count on one hand. I think I've played actually six times, seven times maybe. Um, and it's just, I think it, in, I'll let you talk about your feelings about the game uh, before we get into this. But we did, we were playing the application and um, beyond some initial headaches with regard to getting a game started with friends and like adding people to friends lists, like seems like really basic, basic stuff that seemed desperately difficult uh, and and clumsy. Um Weird matching interface. Weird match. Yeah, yeah, very strange. Um, but overall, the app is. My surface impression was quite positive, uh, despite of the the matchmaking issues, like I was describing, like for creating a private game, and maybe some odd choices with regard to like pop ups and maybe some use readability of some of the cards. Um, but <laughs> anyway, uh, Joel, what are your thoughts about Terraforming Mars? Because I think you've been playing it a fair bit recently too. Terraforming Mars is, oh, what do you say about it? It's definitely a resource management game. You've got, what, like five, six different types of resources that you gain throughout the game. You got, like, titanium, steel, plants, uh, heat, energy, and money. And uh, basically, at the beginning of the game, you're trying to spend your money that you've gained for that round on cards or base abilities in order to increase your production of whatever it is you want to go for. If you want to go for plants, you like look for cards that get you more plants. Go for titanium, you want to get more titanium. Apparently titanium and plants are like the two main ways to win, according to John. Um, and then, yeah, yeah, you get these cards. They some of them have conditions like it has to be at least seventeen degrees, or it has to be less than negative twenty-four degrees, or whatever. And so you got to keep that in mind. But generally, you're terraforming Mars, so you're increasing the temperature, you're adding nine oceans, and you're getting the oxygen to fourteen uh, percent. Once all of those three things are accomplished, the game ends, and whoever has the most points wins. Uh, it is kind of insular in the deck, so like you, you you have to know the cards. It's like it, not on the level of Twilight Struggle, but it's mm -hmm. almost there, I think. Where it's like, why new specifically? He's like, well, there's a card that does that, but very similar, you know. Like he knew every card in the deck. I couldn't and believe that. Like he must have played a lot. I was our shark for sure. He knew what he was doing. Um, I had no idea who was winning by the end of our thing because we quit at 11.30 and everyone was kind of fairly even. Although, Jack, you were making a ton of money. I have to tell you, Joel, with no sense of ego, I think I was set up to win that game. Ooh, fancy man. I just, my engine was incredible. So that did, uh, so I set out really loving Terraforming Mars. I think I like it a little less now. I want to hear your opinion. After that game, has your opinion changed at all? I the so to give some broad perspective, there was a mixture of hipster contrarianism and uh, actual contrarianism uh, when it came to terraforming Mars for me because Kale and I picked it up at four hundred one games when it was hot. We brought it home, we played it, we didn't mind it. But that's the that's kind of the the damning with faint praise. Um, yep. 
we didn't mind it versus the people that were like brains were exploding. It was the hottest game ever. Everyone's ra raving about it. And I think I was just staring it kind of, like kind of squinting a little bit like, what am I missing? What I don't get it. And it's fine. It's just a perfectly fine game. But maybe it was like baby's first tableau builder mixed with a really good theme. Mm. Uh, and even the theme is so so that it's like it's fun. Like I like space stuff. I like playing cards. I like seeing things do this and then that like comboing. But at the end of it, it was just eh. But the more I've I've thought about it, like I, I think it's a perfectly acceptable game. But the way you have to play it is very specific. And the way to play the game is you're not playing it as a tableau builder. You're playing it as a terraforming Mars game. Anything yeah. you do that doesn't help you terraform Mars is a waste of time. And yeah. it makes the game go longer and more painful. Because if you're playing with, with people that just want to build engines and sit there, their engine is never going to be good enough. Uh, or it is, and it's going to take you four hours, and you're going to be staring straight ahead, sound of silence playing in your head. And it's just <laughs> always that song. Yeah. So generally speaking, my 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 main takeaway from Terraforming Mars is that I don't think it's the the next coming of board game Jesus by any stretch of the the imagination. And the we we said when the game came out that one of the biggest problems of the game is this unseated deck that you get you get all these random events that may like theoretically through luck of draw you could get stuck with garbage after garbage after garbage that's useless to you, and there's no way to mitigate that that I'm aware of beyond uh, deliberately sort of like trying to like build stuff on top, so, top of place to get you cards to draw extra and maybe just yeah. going hard for card draws. Couple of card draws on the map. Yeah, yeah. a couple of cards on the map and then some cards let you, I think, do as an action, draw an extra card on your turn. Um, but you have to play the game properly and the game doesn't let you know that. And it's kind of weird to, and it, I don't know, at the end of the day, I think it's just very overrated. And the application cuts through a lot of the problems, I think, in terms of it feels very quick when you're playing it. And uh, But it, it's, it'd be very hard sell for me to, like, let's just say it's, it's not often that I go downstairs and like, I'm like, oh boy, people are coming over, especially right now. But like, or just like with Mars, with Kale and me, like, yeah, let's, let's you, want, you want Terraform Mars? Who knows? Thank Maybe I'm, I'd be other. more like to play it now. Than I would the, before. Okay, so that's it's a, it's got a bit of a redemption, but it's still like a middling game to you, isn't it? Middling and is like, harsh, but just underwhelming. Let's say that, yeah. It's also just the length, you know. It's like it this feels is long. A, it's like a two-hour game. Yeah, Maybe a little but, longer, two and a half. So you've played more of the. What are your thoughts? Because you, I know you were saying you've been playing more of the application, and uh, yeah. So I dug in. And I played against the, the easiest bot there is and i got beaten i lost them the first time i don't know maybe it was a little over the place i, f I found myself doing those base actions which usually when you're doing base actions instead of buying cards you're in trouble not necessarily man it's like which base actions are you talking about just like whatever i could really and i think yeah it was part of the problem was that like I think one of the base actions that's really valuable is city. Like if you're going like a green strategy and you're making a whole bunch of green, yeah, areas, yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to like get a city in the middle of them. Yep. And, yep. and that's really paid because I've played two more games now. I won the second one by like a very narrow narrow margin. I won the third game by like forty points or something crazy. Wow, they, you blew it out there. Yeah. So I don't know if I'm getting better or if I just got the right cards. I feel like it's more like the cards sync up. Mm-hmm. Which kind of like was one of the the downsides of terraforming Mars to me, and I think we've talked about it before with a lot of other games. Tier decks, right? Like if you're if you're gonna draw four cards and they all say that you require, uh, you know, temperature to be above negative seven degrees, and it's the very beginning of the game, you're not gonna be able to buy any of those, right? So it's very conditional. You can get really screwed or like have to do just what you can with what you get. Uh, and sometimes you get exactly what you want, right? Yeah. And that's really a, a big downside. If they had something like uh, Concordia has a tiered deck, what else? It, you know, it's funny. Nothing's jumping out. Uh, through the Ages is the only other one I can think of. Yeah, but definitely. Through the Ages where it's like it's the exact same card, exact same cost, but because you're in the next age, now it's better. Right. 
Well, it also does like through the ages also like assumes it's going to cost more, be more difficult to put down, but it's assuming you've had the engine to build it. And if you haven't, then it's assuming you have something else for a different card that's more expensive. And maybe you can figure a way to do this too. It's just, it's a way smarter game. I'm not even going to compare the two, even though uh, they're, they're sort of tableau builders in some sense. They're both like that, but you're absolutely, everything you said, spot on. Um, and you can play the game in two different ways. Um, one of which that some people swear by is the well you can either do just a straight draw like you draw four cards your opponent draws four cards and so on and that's that um or you do the draft where you draw your four and you keep one you send them around and then you keep another one send those and so on until you got your cards the draft is way more interesting as far as interaction goes and it creates tougher choices you uh, see more you see more cards, and it also creates the the choice and let your see. So you're looking next to you and see, oh, Kayla's building this uh, microbe empire. I can't pass her this card. Yeah. She's gonna. This is gonna help her too much. But I really want to hold on to this card here. Oh man, will she will she spite a draft that card just to stop her from me? So at least like that's a more interesting decision than I drew four I random cruddy cards, and uh, she <laughs> like drew four fantastic cards and and you know what that's that's luck right and in a yep. game that hopefully is going quickly you don't feel as mad about that like i'd say if you were able to play this game in an hour and i think you should be doing it in an hour if you know what you're doing that you're not as upset about that and you kind of like curse and say oh i'll get you next time you just said good luck and they say oh yeah sure whatever <laughs> um but if the game goes and this is what happened because i think we played this at your place once and um what i think uh josh faria and I think it was that, yeah. So Kayla, uh, Josh, me and you, four player game Terraforming Mars, and we were drafting. And I think the game took four hours or something atrocious. Yeah. And it, it was je just definitely one of those cases where everyone was just trying to build an engine and the engine building wasn't even that fun. And sometimes the game was one, just like... Sometimes one bad experience is enough. True, it, because sometimes you just you see the cracks immediately. And yeah. if, if it's everyone's kind of new to the game or doesn't know it, that can be tough to get around. But if you can go to another game later on at somebody who's maybe like, oh, there's, there must be more to this. And maybe they, they look at it a bit differently and they say, okay, look, I know you had a bad experience. Well, let me try to help you this time or let me give you some advice and I can try to push you. Like, can you imagine if you played Civ once and nobody told you what you're supposed to do at the beginning? Yeah. Uh, or maybe maybe like Curtis at the cabin, remember where you like, oh, I know you remember. On turn four or something. You're right. Or maybe you have some prick like Rodrigo rolling in on you as when you're a new yeah. player and doing suboptimal moves, but you don't have to respond to it properly. So whatever. Yeah. Um, well, for you, I think about uh, Smash Up. And Smash Up. Somehow yeah. you had a, like a 15 minute game go like two hours. That was horrible. And uh, for me, I think about like Dead of Winter. And that game always goes long. Game of Thrones <laughs> always goes long. Like these always. long, awful, drawn out things with just yeah. tension, and then and then somebody wins just by going into an area that nobody's in, and it's like okay. Yeah, and that's like the hollow victory too. So to me, that's like the clumsy nature of it. I still think Twilight Imperium Four or Twilight Imperium. So I don't know why I put the uh, number of it there. Ti to me feels very hollow at times too because totally. It, it's not because it's a bad game. It's not a great game. But it's a fun game. But it's just to me that it's rare that you get that that's that interplay that really feels satisfying. And I think satisfying might be the word I've been looking for this whole time. That so let's say go, let's go back to terraforming Mars again. Sorry to interrupt you. Yep. That it like you're describing. You can always do something in terraforming Mars. Like let's say you get those four cruddy cards. You can sell them for uh I th what is it like a dollar something lame. Um, and you, you can, can use, buy them. Well, or not buy them. Although, don't you? Oh, yeah, you can refuse them. Yeah, so you can. So ideally, you're not even sending them, spending them for a dollar, because that's like that's a very poor awesome. return on investment. Yeah. Um, but so let's say you don't keep any of those cards that you've drafted. They all stunk. You yep. can, and your base income is twenty bucks. Uh, uh, I think depending on what corporation you've got. So maybe you saved up. Maybe you've got enough to build a city that round. And you, so you've got something to do, but it's not satisfying. It's you're, it's not fun, and you feel like you're going behind. It'd be the same in any other game that maybe theoretically you haven't done anything wrong as far as the game goes, but there's no satisfying option for you to take. And um, yeah. something like Twilight Imperium, and then you wait for everyone else to do. Sure, like sure, sure. Yeah. So it's, it's not. I guess fun is another word, but that's like the the, the bad word. Don't talk about fun. So uh, anyway.
it's I I would be more than happy to uh, try terraforming Mars again. I don't, I'm not rushing to do it, but um, I I wasn't as upset by the experience as before. But I think if I got steamrolled by somebody who knew all the cards, I'd be less likely to play with them specifically because it'd be <laughs> like playing Twilight Struggle against somebody. Well, probably like you because you know all the cards, and I haven't played the game forever, so it'd be just like, oh, why did you play that? Be like, well, yeah. shit, I don't remember. That's why. <laughs> Chances are John's never going to play that again. <laughs> <laughs> out of the early war. Right. Well, and that's it's a tough thing. It's a very tricky game to... I think it's definitely one of those games that you got to like... Everyone's got to be learning at the same level because you can't have somebody do a giant jump or else there's... like it's. I don't think it'll be satisfying for either person unless you just enjoy punching bags and vice versa. So, yep. um, What have we got? 35. So we got... All right, well, let's take a musical break. We'll be back in a minute. Uh, and I'm sure we'll, we have some more stuff to talk about, so stay tuned. Welcome back to CFRU 93.3 FM. What you just heard was Alpha Centauri 1, Sunrise in the Third System by Tangerine Dream from their 1971 album. Uh, I don't know if the number three is included in this, but we'll just say Alpha Centauri. Which kind of ties in nicely to Terraforming Mars. What a coincidence. That, uh, didn't even think about that when I picked that. And uh, this one, uh, I'm going to dedicate this one, Joel, to Michael McNally. Because uh, he is the, McNally. the the Krautrock guy. And uh, I actually came across some music recently. that I was like, oh, this is kind of, uh, I think it might be up his alley. So I sent him a message. And I also let him know about friends of the show, uh, Karen and Chloe, who are just obsessed with High Frontier. So I, uh, I gave, uh, gave him... Yeah. I gave well, he's him our... Guru, isn't he? The Eklund Guru, he loves those games. So I gave him uh, her contact information, and hopefully they can get together and play some High Frontier <laughs> on Vassal, because uh, I know Chloe's uh, apparently quite fond of the game. So, and I think Karen too. Uh, uh, yes, not not as much, but still there. So, well, it looks like uh, Machin has released a uh, CD Projekt Red has released a um, apology video for. Oh. Cyberpunk, eh? Really? Well, that's interesting. Two minute uh, explanation about explanation. Well, Mark yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I thought one point uh... five billion, number seven in Poland. Maybe Sorry, one. like his his, uh, his wealth. Yeah. Wow, he's a billionaire. Unbelievable. Um. Yeah, I, I think I I really I, we've talked about this a little bit. But I I really really hope that in in a year or so like we're talking about how good cyberpunk is now yeah as opposed to just that. so much fun because i'm looking at the icon on my desktop and i'm just i just want to delete it because i am not touching this game yeah not for a long so time you didn't have fun nope how many crashes did you experience no crashes
I crashed but, my. It felt was empty. It was tough. The fidelity was all over the place. It's tough to differentiate what you were looking at, and the the inventory was clogged instantly. It was like a looter shooter where it's it's like it's like somebody spilled Borderlands or Diablo into <laughs> my uh, my RPG thing, and just like I hated I hated it. Just felt so clunky and and half half assed that. And I I don't remember Witcher three when it came out. Like I played it, but I don't remember it being this this messy. But it just felt it, it felt like Eurojank. And uh, so maybe like Harry, I think had a much, much more positive experience than I did, but his computer is a lot nicer and he's got a 5,800 XT. So, or 5,500, excuse me. So I think it looks quite nice. <laughs> well, maybe cause he was playing with friends or something. Who knows what else you've been playing lately. So, um, Joel, you, you hopped on when I was trying to get it working voice chat with my, uh, my friend, but, Oh, yeah. I got to uh, play a little bit of Rust, which has been out for a while, but it was on sale for thirty bucks on Steam, and uh, it looks interesting. And I was like, you know what? Let's let's give this a shot because it's it's kind of fun to play games uh, of this nature together. And uh, so uh, we hopped on, and it's for those who don't know, Rust is this game that I think was born out of the uh, so when when Day Z came out. Everyone kind of lost their minds for a couple of reasons because I think it was the the. Pardon me. Never mind. Go on. <laughs> lost their minds because they're zombies. Is that what you said? Yeah. <laughs> the uh, because they took this this janky engine designed as a, for military simulations and they created this this world where it was you were surviving and and scavenging, but the zombies were an afterthought. They they were janky and stupid. Uh, and not in a fun way. They were just like, oh, why do we even need these things? And people got rid of them. And then the whole Battle Royale thing kicked off where you had PUBG and uh, Fortnite and the rest of these. So as far as I'm concerned, DayZ is the one that started this whole trend. Apex Legends. Apex Legends. Is that Battle Royale? Yeah. It just does everything. I can't. I just assume Battle Royale now. It's like, yeah. it's such uh, a whatever. new battlefield. Man. Yeah. So the but the main idea is that it's like you have a giant area and you're dropped in. And you have to find your stuff and you have to survive while there's extraordinary amount of other players running around doing stuff. So uh, enter Rust, which is a mix of survival and base building uh, with a heavy dose of the sort of I don't want to say battle royale, but the the mass survival simulation where people can decide to be total pricks to you if they feel like it and. Uh, what's neat is that there, and I'm not sure if the rest of these guys have them, I doubt it. Uh, there are dedicated servers, so you can mod your own worlds. It's procedurally generated. You're scavenging. There are. Uh, I got killed by a, a, a wolf or something once, so there are, there are animals running around, hostile oh. animals. Um, there are horses. Um, you have to worry about thirst and your temperature, uh, hunger, that you can grow crops and stuff. There's crafting. So the game is janky. And it's jankier than I thought it was going to be when I picked it up in the sense that um, I th just the interface and the the UX is... It's it's weird, Joel, that do you find... I don't know if you're in your professional capacity, you notice this as much, but um, do you find that you really notice bad um, bad graphic design when it comes to using uh, playing games and stuff uh, even more now? Uh, yeah. Like with my better laptop, uh, I definitely see the flaws where before I just assumed they were me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I'm just talking about like little technical things where it's like, why? You can tell where the bare bones stuff is done, where it's just like borderline placeholder. Where yeah. It's... Well, like uh, for Baldur's Gate, it's not a finished game, but like yeah. it could definitely like you can drag your your view far away from where your users or where your characters are yeah like definitely like go through a wall and then see a, a box you know oh. to the map kind of thing oh, okay yeah 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 um so anyway so bottom line is that we're we've been playing rust we we not tons i think total we've played maybe a few hours um and my surface impression is it's a very interesting game i need to play around some settings um but it can be very very pretty uh, there's a lot of creative elements to it. Uh, I don't want to put on Minecraft level because I still think Minecraft is just one of the most supremely cozy games out there as long as it's... When it does what it does, I think it's yeah. extremely good. 
and and frankly beautiful. I really, I always think that Minecraft just looks great from this very sort of organic, um, natural feeling from like back when I picked it up years ago to now, I'm still yeah. find the simple beauty of the game. Uh, so this one's kind of like that. There's there, there was a moment when the, the sun was setting over this mountain ridge and I was just kind of yeah. looking up. I was like, this is really pretty. This is really, really nice. So, um, but the, the main hurdle is that it, it, it loads so much stuff. I think between double clicking the icon to getting into the server, I, I swear, Joel, like 10, 15 minutes. Oh my God, really? I, I could be off. I need the time of next time. It just feels like it takes you forever. Like come back and you're dead because you put you you load. It's not that bad. It's it's not. I could see it being that bad. Um, maybe there's some mercy when you get into the server that they you just can't get ganked right away. But and just in general, in terms of like all the assets that have to be loaded, uh, it's wild. And I don't think like my computer's not brand new, but like I always like to compare it. Like how come I can like play something else? was your difficulty and then all of a sudden your thing that's that's about the same age or maybe a bit newer is just like this giant like leap up in technological sophistication no wrong it's not something's <laughs> up so either way rust is interesting i recommend if you're whoops, looking for a uh, um a different experience like kind of like this murderer survival kill kill type thing it might be a bit too slow for that but there are servers where it can have 400 people in it so you'll get your dose of murder in those ones but so what's the object of rest that's a good question i have no idea just survive just make a base murder everyone it's kind of cozy like that you get like is there like a get down to one person left kind of thing like is it battle royale in the end it might be uh, it, what, like a hundred people get dropped into a server and one person remains. It could, Joel, I, honestly, I can't answer that question. I think it's meant to be survival in like this open world sense that just do what you can, try to eke out a living, and hope nobody murders you while you're asleep. Um, I just it, remember it, like the memes or like videos where like a guy will come up and he's naked and he's like, "Hey guys, I just dropped in," and they're like. Okay, well, you know, we'll hook you up with something, and they like give him some basic items, and then he pulls out an AK and just, just murders them all. You know, <laughs> so once their guard is down. I, yeah, sure, it sounds about right. It's I, we we were just playing on a very quiet server, uh, just to ensure that that sort of stuff wouldn't happen. So, who knows? Um, but I, I know virtually nothing about the game beyond my meager sort of learning experience with my friend and we were trying to catch some fish and we built a little house and my buddy logged onto the server the next day and the house was gone and i don't know whether the house decayed or whether some people came by and disassembled it on us and stole my horse or what but <laughs> uh it, it seems very interesting and i look forward to trying to dip my toes into it it's just it it takes so long to actually get into the game not in like a um figurative sense like literally get into the game itself yeah. that it's 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 like a hurdle that stops you versus like double clicking binding of isaac and just playing that for three hours <laughs> so what yeah. about you joel in the diamonds of the show do you have anything uh, you've been playing recently well i did play a few minutes of don't starve which is like yeah how was that harry said 10 out of 10 game i'm sure it's great <laughs> but like, there's no I guess I, maybe there's a tutorial or something, but I couldn't find one. So I just dropped into a game, gave it a try. I lived for about five minutes. I uh, I walked around. I picked up a bunch of food because I figured the game was called Don't Starve. Get the food. I got wood. I got grass. And I got flint. And I was like, somehow, this is what I need to make a fire. I was looking for steel or something, you know, maybe like flick on it. But anyway, I put the wood down. I put the grass down. I clicked the flint. Nothing happened. I was like, eh, maybe this isn't it. So I walked around for a little bit longer. The day went on. It got dark. I was a little bit worried, but I wasn't too worried. Then it got very dark. And then it said, you died. Because it, you died from darkness. It said darkness? Yeah. Like I was like, I said, like, oh, hello, it's you. And then it was like, you take like 90% of your damage. And then all of it. And then it said, you died from darkness. So they so really like, want you to have that fire. <laughs> yeah, you really need something by the first night. You know, kind of like Minecraft. But uh, no idea how to play. 
it's yeah and i I, even rust had a rudimentary tutorial in the sense of like switch to your rock hit this tree use the wood to make a campfire and it's like okay at least they're telling me the keys and what i'm supposed to do like it's weird that i mean i can look it up i guess or yeah but it's there's something i missed Maybe they really want you to play with somebody who knows what they're doing. And they can kind of tell you what to do or give you tips. I don't know. Because I know the guy I was playing uh, Rust with, he plays Don't Starve Together with his, his girlfriend. And they seem Aww. to really enjoy it. So Nice. Yeah, well, I'm looking forward to giving it a try. And it's like a, like a little 2D. Maybe it's a 2D version of Rust without the combat. <laughs> it, the art <laughs> style's always thrown me off. I really dislike it, to be honest. Yeah, me too. But it was free, so... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Can't uh, not look look bleh, look in a uh, gift horse in the mouth on that one. So, all right. Well, on that note, speaking of uh, looking things in the mouth, uh, the show is long in a tooth. See, see what I did there? Yeah, uh, good one. Mouth and... tooth. The teeth are in the mouth. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> anyway, that's the end of the show. Thank you for listening. Check us out on Twitter, eighty Radio CFRU. Uh, Instagram uh, is something similar, probably like Android Dungeon uh, games, or I can never remember. My wallet's not here right now, where I keep my information there. Uh, join the Guelph Board Game Group on Facebook, and uh, uh, you know what? If you're desperate enough, you can try to join the uh, the Discord. Hit us up for a message, and I'm sure we'll throw you an invite. Uh, there's not a ton of chat in there, although I constantly see diplomacy updates. Is that game still going? Yep. Yeah. That's wild. Absolutely wild. And I turned off all the notifications by default because of those diplomacy updates. I didn't want like people to get spammed with that. Oh, I don't. Yeah, sorry, it doesn't hit me like that. I just mean like I, if I yeah, see red, I have to click on the. On red. That's me too. Yeah, anything. Yeah. So anytime there's like I don't know if you go on Facebook and there's always that notification for a video you could watch. It's like, ugh. I guess I gotta get rid of this notification. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm Jack. I'm Joel. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. We'll talk to you guys later. Bye. Bye.